it up for Jesus this morning. Let's go. Man, oh man, it is great to be back here with you. Man, I just love the opportunity to come and sing praises together as his church and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Church, it is Sunday. What does that mean? It is absolutely a fun day, and today we get to celebrate this life changed by Jesus Christ, right? Come on, come on. Man, if you were new here, you're like, why are these people screaming about a light being on? They're, they've gone and lost their mind. Yes, yes we have, um, but we're crazy about Jesus in this place. We love Jesus, and our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why Vertical Church exists. That's why any church should exist, right? To make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're celebrating a life changed by Jesus. When you come in and you see that light on, that means someone in the past seven days came to the end of themselves, and they surrendered their life to Jesus, made him the Lord of their life. Come on. And that is something we'll never, ever get tired of celebrating here as a church, a vertical church. But I got to tell you, I had, to, I had the privilege in walking through and watching this individual except Jesus. And I want to share something he shared with me uh, after he came to Christ. And he said, listen, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Reading his word with, with intent definitely opens your eyes. Reading his word with intent, definitely opened your eyes. Church, say it with me. Read. Come on. You think I joke around all the time, but when we open up the scripture and we read it with intent, seeking what God has for us and how he's speaking to us personally, it's a love letter, right? It's a love letter where the author loves the person who's reading it. And our eyes are opened up to the truth and we see what God sees. And he says, come to me my child. Amen. Come on. Life changed by Jesus Christ. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. I have not ignoring you this morning. I know you're connecting with us. I'm so thankful we have the team and the technology to reach you. I pray that you are experiencing Jesus in a real way this morning through his word as we walk through the message this morning. Uh, church, before we get into this morning's conversation, I want to give you a sneak peek of where we're going next uh, starting next Sunday, we step into a four-part series titled Fast Forward. Fast Forward. You know, Scripture starts out with a pretty amazing verse where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amazing. Right there, God created the heavens and earth. And if you continue to read, you see that he, what he created was perfect, right? It was absolutely perfect. There was no sin. There was no death, no disease. Absolutely perfect. But when sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, everything changed. Everything changed. And uh, when, when that all took place, God had already a plan put in place to bring everything back to perfection. Friends, one day... Jesus is coming back. He is coming back and he is resetting. Oh, look what I did there. Resetting everything back the way it was in the beginning. But until that day comes, we live in a tension between his promises and the fulfillment of his promises, right? He proclaimed it was going to happen. Now we live in a tension of what is to come next and when he's coming. And that's a, lot of, that's a question that many of us ask. Like, when is it going to happen? What is next? And so fast forward, we're going to walk through this. We're going to dig into a four-part week series, digging into the scripture, showing us what is coming next. What is next for us 
as children of God what, and why it matters to every single one of us in this room. So if this is a question that you've been asking, you, this is a series you don't want to miss because what we're going to be walking through is huge, not, for, not just for your life, but the people who are connected with you. Well, this morning, we wrap up our series titled Reset. It's a series that we started off, I shared that uh, a few weeks ago, that we said it's not just a week a series we're walking through, but I pray that it's a foundational series for you for life. That we're honestly seeking what God has for us. What does he think is possible for the year to come? And we've been putting in the work in. We've been cultivating our hearts. We're seeing real life change, right? The best life in Jesus. This is what God's been doing for this past three weeks. And this morning, I want to dig and have a conversation about keeping the change. Makes sense, right? If it's worth changing, then it's worth Keeping, right? It makes perfect sense. We're going to figure out what God desires has for us, what change he's asking us to make in our lives, renewing, hitting the re- hit reset button, renewing our minds, and walking through, changing our hearts, preparing, cultivating our lives, let the Spirit of God work in our lives. We see the change visible. We see the outcomes. It makes sense that we want to keep it. I don't think any, any one of us want to go back to where we were. Raise your hand if you want to go back to where you were. Yeah, okay, there we go. We're on the same page there. This series is called Reset for a Purpose. We're hitting the reset. We're not looking back. We're going forward. We've worked so hard up to this point, letting God work in our lives. Now we need to fiercely fight to keep what he has changed. You with me on that, church? All right, let's go to this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're looking at starting at verse 1 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find on page 329. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, you just heard me say, church, read your Bible, and you walked in, you grabbed an orange Bible to be with us this morning, please take that that's our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible and you walked in, you saw the orange Bibles out there, grab one on your way out. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, or page 329. So we're going to dig into this morning. I believe today we're going to have one of the most powerful conversations we can have, looking at one of the stories about true change in our lives. It's actually a story that's it's preached here and there in churches, but it's not usually preached in this context. And I, when we walk through this morning, I believe you're going to see why uh, God showed us to walk through this together. See, Nehemiah is very interesting. The story of Nehemiah takes place around... 445 BC. That's roughly 500 years before Jesus Christ steps on the scene. Nehemiah was one of the Jewish people who were, who were torn out of Jerusalem in exile. They were brought out of exile. God took, put them in captivity, uh, the Israelites, because the Israelites failed to listen to God and his plan and how to live, and they ended up paying the price for their disobedience being taken out of Jerusalem into captivity. Uh, Nehemiah was one of those dudes, and he was a cupbearer to the king the king of Persia, who conquered the Babylonians, who conquered the Jews. The Babylonians came in and conquered the Jews, and the Persians came in and conquered the Babylonians. Now, here we have Nehemiah, who is a cupbearer to the king. Now, a cupbearer is pretty much like the dog-sniffing bombs that we have today. I mean, uh, reverse that, right? They're looking for bombs. You know what I meant. They're looking for bombs. Um, They are sent in ahead of time to protect the people. Um, so they would go in and I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm back like three sentences ago. Like, what did you just say? Hang on. Reset. Thank you. Reset. Um, 
So they send him in to protect the people. That's what Nehemiah was doing because Nehemiah's job was to drink the wine before he handed the cup to the king and to see if there was poison in it. And if there was poison in it, too bad. Nehemiah, you're dead. Grab me another guy. Long live the king. That's what who Nehemiah was, right? Um, there's this point in Jerusalem, looking back to where Nehemiah, his story came from, uh, had been destroyed. The temple of worship was broken down. The walls and the gates of Jerusalem were burnt down. Uh, just before we were getting into this morning, people were allowed to go back and start restoring the temple. But because the wall around Jerusalem was broken down, they were left wide open for attack. So now let's step in, slow down, step into the story and see what God has for us. Nehemiah chapter 1, looking at verse 1. It says, in the words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, I was at the citadel of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah and some of the other men. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah talking, heard these things, I sat down and wept. Let me just stop right there. I think as we're walking through this, right in front of us, we're seeing what God's laying out a pattern for us to keep our change. You know, he's, there's, obviously there's something wrong, right? He's upset about the situation. He heard the truth of what's taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, but God's revealing a plan for us. We think about our lives and changes and where we need to get going. And I think it's simply this. When it comes to keeping the change for you and I, point number one, we need to remember the pain. We need to remember the pain. So there was a situation for Nehemiah that he remembered the pain. What Nehemiah experienced, it was in his pain, that was in his brokenness, that true change was going to be birthed. So if you look, it says, when he heard the news, I wept. Now, what, weeping is not just crying, right? Weeping is, means uncontrollably brokenness, and you're on your knees, and you're just pouring out to God. And it was in that moment that Nehemiah was weeping for Jerusalem that God planted a purpose deep inside of him to do something. To do something. And I think about what we've been walking through the last three weeks together. In week one, we asked the question, I challenge you to ask the question, what was bad that I need to remove? When looking back in 2023, what was bad that I need to remove? We labeled it bad, whatever it was, because what was bad and what we think is bad brought frustration into our lives. What we labeled as bad brought brought anger into our lives. It brought pain into our lives. It brought discord into our lives. What we labeled bad brought all this into our lives. That's why we wanted to get rid of it. And it led you and I to a point to label it as something bad. It said, we need that to change. Something has to change. Something has to change. And maybe you, before you even walked into this series this morning, or even walked through this series of the last three weeks, you have been echoing in your heart, man, something has to change. I have this thing taken in place in my life. Something has to change. Do me a favor. Raise your hand if you've ever said that to yourself or said to other people. Like, something has to change. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it causes us to come to the end of ourselves. Really, something needs to happen. And it's through our broken 
hearts, right? Broken hearts, we build walls of change in life. What tears us down, brings us to tears and frustration, are the footsteps of something greater, the footsteps for a better life in Jesus Christ. It forces us to hit the reset button. Now, we have been walking through this together for three weeks, like I said, and some of us in this room, like, okay, we know God is speaking to us in this area that something needs to change. In the past four weeks, you already know. Or maybe you're walking this morning wondering, Rich, I really don't know what needs to change yet. Well, let me just ask you a question, and maybe it's a question for all of us to answer this morning. Is this, where do you feel the pain in your life? Where do you feel the squeeze, the tension, the hurts, the frustration, the anger in your life? Because I guarantee when you find that point, like that situation, that is what needs to change. Like you think through this, something has to change. I'm sick of being broke. Something has to change. I'm sick of always fighting with my spouse. Something has to change. I'm tired of being lonely. Something has to change. I'm tired of walking through life feeling empty inside like I'm missing. Something has to change. Whatever is a pain point in your life, that is what God is speaking to you this morning that needs to change. Friends, that's exactly what Nehemiah was experiencing. Before he was ever called out to go rebuild the wall, he first had experienced the pain. Because it was in that pain, his passion was birthed. Something has to change. And without passion, it would have been, he would never would accomplish what God had, was calling him to do. That's what God has for us. That's what God desires for us. We need to take our something has to change and let that passion birth into a new life a changed life, a life more like his son. And let it be the fuel that ignites personal passion into our lives to pursue the best life in Jesus Christ. You with me, church? We have to let it hit the reset button. Well, Nehemiah didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Neither can we. We can continue reading on. And look at verse 4. The rest of verse 4. It says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and then I said, Lord, God in heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. Let's stop there again. I don't want to fly by this because sometimes we read scripture, we fly by things like this. We need to recognize who we are serving. We need to recognize who we're talking to. We need to recognize who's the one who's calling us to a better life in Jesus Christ, right? The great and awesome God. Too often we fly through scripture. We don't slow down and recognize who we're talking to, who's talking to us. Too often the church has lost their awe of who God is. Paul David Tripp wrote a book called Awe, and this is what he says. Look on the screen. I need the awe of him to recapture, refocus, and redirect my heart. I need the awe of God in my life so I can reset and start living for him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now I want to read this again. But I want you to read the section that's in blue. You with me? 
For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God in heaven. Then I said, Lord God in heaven, come on. The great and awesome God, the God who's above all things, hold all things together, that's calling you out to a better life in Jesus Christ. He says, that pain point in your life, come on, let's do this together. Recognize who I am and who I am in your life and authority I have over all things. Follow me. Continue around in verse 6, I'll read. It says, let your ear be attentive to your, and your eyes hear the prayer of your servant that is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Stop there again. Point number one is very simple. We need to remember the pain. Then if we read these verses, we get to point number two. We need to get on our knees. We want to keep the change. We want to keep the change that God has been birthing in our lives and we're seeing some fruit and we need to remember the pain Then we need to get on our knees. The very first thing Nehemiah did when his brokenness was to pray. He got on his knees, he pleaded with God for what he heard, and we hoped to change. He stopped where he was and asked for forgiveness of his sins, his family's sins, and the sins of the entire nation of Israel. He got on his knees and prayed. Friends, prayer is an amazing part of our walk with Jesus. That too many followers of Jesus fail to embrace in their own life. We just started reading a book as a staff this past week, and just in the first few chapters is about, called, by, written by Paul Miller. It's called A Praying Life, probably one of the best books on prayer that I've ever read. And he says this in chapter two it says, Many Christians haven't stopped believing in God, we have just become functional deists. Living with God at a distance. We haven't stopped believing. We just become functional this thing called Christianity, and we don't draw the King of Kings, that great and awesome God, into our lives and talk to Him about what's going on. Because that's what prayer does. Prayer draws us close to God and God close to us. It's a two-way street conversation of us revealing our hearts to God and God speaking to our hearts to change. Now you might be thinking, it doesn't make sense that Nehemiah was confessing the sin of all Israel. Why was it up to him? Especially when we figure out, we dig into this passage and realize that from the time that he was talking about Israel went into captivity and Nehemiah was going back to rebuild the wall, that was a span of about 141 years. So why was he having this conversation with God? And I think we don't think it makes sense until we truly understand the power of sin and repentance. And then it brings you this idea, wait a second, Rich. What I need to change isn't even a sin, so why are you bringing that up this morning? Well, let me just ask you, whatever God's been birthing in your heart and telling you to change, uh, does it pull you away from the heart of God? 
Is it stepping away of the best life that Jesus has for you? Is it pulling you away from here, your family? Or is it drawing you close to your family? Is it, is it drawing your attention from your time with him? Or is it drawing you, your attention to be closer to him? What needs to change? Does it draw you closer to God or further away? may not be necessarily a sin, or maybe it is. But if you ask me, you didn't, but I'm going to tell you anyways, <laughs> then maybe it's time we stop in our tracks and ask God to forgive us for not pursuing him. Make, ask God to forgive us for not making him a priority in our life. Maybe ask God to forgive us for not doing it sooner. God is present. And he's been drawing you out. And maybe you've been ignoring him. Maybe you've been pushing him back like, I don't want a relationship with him. Or maybe you have a relationship with him and you've been just going like, I'm going to do my own thing. Maybe you're a functional deist. So maybe it's time we stop, confess our sins and repent and swing back and give him everything. Now, repent is a word we don't speak about in a normal English language outside of the church world. Uh, it means to be a doing about face. You're going this direction. When you repent, you turn around and you go the other direction. You say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to stop living this way. I'm going to stop going this direction. I'm going to turn around and start living here. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. God knows this. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to continue to sin because that's who I am. But I'm going to get back up. I'm going to continue to push forward and live the life that you called me to live. That's repentance. You with me on that? We need to stop, pray, repent, repeat. Stop, pray, repent, and repeat. This needs to be a pattern of our lives if we desire to keep the change that God has been drawing us to. Remember the pain. Get on our knees. That leads us to point number three this morning. Stay the course. Stay the course. When we started in chapter one, it was the month of Kislev. Now we're going to be looking at a verse in chapter two. And when Nehemiah goes to the king, reveals to his heart, and the king releases Nehemiah to go uh, to build the wall, we read that it's in the month of Nisan. Look at this in chapter two, verse one. In the month of what? Nisan. Yeah, I'm glad I had you say it, right? And then this on the 20th year of the king Arxerxes, when the wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Here we are. You may look at this and you think, okay, well, it's really not a big deal, Rich. Why are you point out a couple different months? We understand that these are the months on the Hebrew calendar. And when you look at these months on the Hebrew calendar, they are four months apart. Four months apart from the time that Nehemiah was flooded with his passion to go and do something different for Jesus, to have a change, God was birthing him. It was four months apart. How about you when it comes to change? What about, what about you when it comes to this idea that God has burdened something in your heart to do? How do you walk through those months? God, I know you're calling me to do this. I know you're calling me to do this. But God's like, wait. It's a process. It's not so easy, is it? 
Why? It's because we live in an instant society. We want it right now. In fact, right now is late. Because we want it yesterday. You ever hear those people, I, you're gonna, I'm going to lose some friends this morning, they'll say, if you show up on time, you're late. What? You need to be five minutes early. That's not on time. On time means what? Yeah. We are such an instant society. We want the change right now. And when, when things aren't happening the way we have planned and not happening in our time frame, we think that God doesn't care. We think that he isn't working. The truth is, spiritual fruit takes time to grow. The only time there was an instant change in our lives is when we got the end of our lives and we surrendered it to Jesus Christ. That was an instant change. Now I get it. There's sometimes people give their life to Jesus Christ and he rips immediately things out of their life. Immediately. He pulls it out and said, you know, I was doing this and I gave my life to Jesus and I no longer have the desire to. I get that. For the, but most of the time and many times, God is making us more like his son is a process that we go through. It's a spiritual journey with Jesus. We need to stay the course. The author of Hebrews talks about this in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Look at this on the screen. He says, I have much to say to you about this, but it's hard for me to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. They gave up. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, some of you should be teached to, some of you need to be taught the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, if anyone who lives on milk is still an infant, not equated with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature by who constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good to evil. He is calling them out for giving up. It says you want to, you should be here, yes. God's been wanting you to call you to be here, yes. But because you have given up, you're not. And he says by digesting what God is doing in your life, getting in his word, let him cultivate the spiritual fruit by constant use. Constant use. That's when life change happens. The right things in life are worth waiting for. The God things in life, the best things, are worth staying the course for. And this is, is pivotal for us to grab this this morning. Because right about now, 28 days into the new year, over 60% of people are, are losing their New Year's resolution. 60%. 28 days in, I really haven't. So right now, some of you, you've been committed. You've made some changes. You're like, God, I want to cultivate it. But right now, you're like, ah, I want to go back to my old self, my old ways. I don't want that new stuff. It's too hard. I haven't seen the fruit right up front, so I'm just going to give up. No, God says, don't give up. Stay the course. Constant use. If you want the outcome, you need to put in the work to follow me. 
because Nehemiah waited, God provided all the resources he needed to make the change to build the wall. Until then, he kept serving the king with his life in the balance. He kept holding the cup. He kept testing the wine. And he kept on hanging it off. He stayed the course. Church, we need to stay the course. But look what takes place. Move on to chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. It says, when Sanballat... Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs at Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and, and the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to stir up trouble against it. Let's stop there again. They went out. Nehemiah was on the scene. Things were being built. The wall of protection was, was going down. And the enemies were around. They said, we don't like what's taking place. So they decided to attack. Friends, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. We have an enemy. And he does not like what God is doing in your life. He does not like that you're becoming more like Jesus and less like the world that he is cultivating a whole bunch of junk in. He says, no, no, I want you to be like the world, not like Jesus. So the fact that we're pursuing Jesus, friends, he is on the attack. In your life and in my life. I don't like what you're doing. I'm going to come after you. We need to do what Nehemiah did. We need to keep ourselves and our lives at guard. We need to protect the process, the reset process. Point number four, protect the process. Remember the pain, get on your knees, stay the course, and protect the process. Look at verse 9 of chapter 4 on the screen. It says, but we prayed to our God and posted the guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of laborers are given out. There is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Let's stop there. The people were growing tired and weary. When we are fighting for the best life in Jesus, at that point we will grow tired and weary. God won't. We will. That's why we need Jesus, right? And we cultivate our lives for life change. And we need to stand guard. We will get tired and we need to, what to do to protect what God is doing. We too will look at the rubble around us and be tempted to look at our lives and say, okay, what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I have done, maybe think it's too much and it can't be done. What I'm experiencing from the attack of my enemy, what I've experienced, what I did in my life to get me to this point, man, it is too much. What I find interesting, when I read these, these verses, what they called rubble, God called the wall. It just hadn't been built yet. We call the rubble in life 
God calls resources for life change. We're looking around and saying, okay, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. I'm not, I've done, I caused all this pain. God's like, no, no, we're going to rebuild this, and we're going to make it better. We're going to make it stronger. We're going to build it the way that I've called you to build it, your life. Don't look at his rubble. See his resources for life change. We need to stand guard and protect what God is building. Verse 11, it goes on and says, So our enemy said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right among them and will kill them and put the end of their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Whenever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall and the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. Stop there again. Ask yourself, church, in the area of your life that God is calling you to change, in the area of your life that he's calling you to hit the reset button, where are the lowest points? Where are you the weakest where are you exposed? Where can Satan step into your life and say, you didn't see this coming because you weren't protecting the process. You left this area open. It's the weakest point for you, so I'm going to attack you in that. Forget about the life change. Think about your life. Where are you exposed? Where are you the weakest? Where can Satan mess with your life and take you down because you didn't see him coming? How are you protecting those places? Is it coming and being amongst God's family? Is it being in his word? Is it getting on your knees? Is it getting into a small group that you have people in your life they're willing to call you out? Say, I got you, I got you, I got you. I will stand guard for you. I am my brother's keeper, my sister's keeper. Do you have an accountability person, someone you're close with? Say, okay, I want to share this with you because I want God's work in my life. I don't want to be left alone here where you hold me accountable for it. How are you protecting the change? And no one in this room, friends, no one can say, I don't have any weak points, Rich. I don't have any bare spots. Come on. There's no lying in church. We all have them. You may not call them weak. You may not call them blind spots. But they're there. So how are you protecting the chain? Give us a pattern, remembering the pain, getting on our knees, staying the course to protect the process. I love how he ends this. Verse 14, he says, I looked things over. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is what? Great. 
who is what? And fight for your families. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I think we had a conversation last week that was one point repeated three times. My reset impacts more than us. It impacts all those around us. So fight. Fight. In Jesus' name, fight. He's called you to the better life in him. He's calling you out to leave some things behind. He's calling you to say, listen, I want this type of relationship with you. I want this type of relationship with your family. So fight. Don't give him a foothold into your life. Don't give him a foothold into your mind. Fight. He has no authority over you. Jesus has authority over you. So fight. So fight. But too often we don't. We surrender to Satan thinking he's all great and awesome. And we forget our mighty and powerful God. So fight. In Jesus' name, fight. Don't let the reset stop here. Fight. Whatever pain he's, you're birthing this out of, fight. Whatever change you need to make, fight. He's given you everything you need. The word, communication and prayer, the Holy Spirit, fight. Satan already knows he's lost. So fight. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Thank you for everything that you've given us to live the best life with you. God, I pray that a reset isn't for a moment. That a reset is for life. As I am sharing your word this morning, you are screaming in my ears, Father. Fight. So pray for us as a church that we fight. That we don't allow Satan to have victory because we've already been proclaiming victory in you. I'm going to call our prayer team up right now. And I don't know where you're at, 
what you're struggling through, what you're ready to give up on, fight. Come forward. Get on your knees with our prayer team and fight. Don't walk out those doors carrying a burden you were never meant to carry. Jesus, very clear, come to me, you who are weary. And I know some of us in this room are weary. Come forward and talk to our prayer team. Let's pray over you and pray with you. Let us stand in the gap. Let us stand there in the weak points for you and lift you up to the great and awesome God. And maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've been fighting, all right, but you've been fighting him. I, I encourage you to come up Make it right with Christ. Surrender your life. And let him change everything. God, we love you. You are so faithful. Even when we're faithless, you are faithful. Go before us today. before us this week remind us to fight in Jesus name I pray amen God bless church have an amazing week we'll see you next Sunday